Thanks, Elaine. I, um, I trust that, um, like us, you had um, an opportunity to spend some time with other family or friends um, over the uh, Christmas period, and uh, it was a fun time for you. We had, um, we had some friends visiting us from um, Australia, haven't seen them for a long time, and so South Africans or ex-South Africans, I guess, um, and um, they um, had been traveling around South Africa and looking at all of the uh, I guess the touristy spots, when you've been away for uh, so many years, even the touristy spots seem good again. And uh, so they'd been up to the, to the Kruger Park. And, uh, and being in the Kruger Park, you know, the discussion is, well, what have you seen when you were uh, in the Kruger Park? And, of course, uh, the, the big question is, did you see the big five? You know, that's the question. And then, of course, it came to photograph time. And, of course, the cell phone comes out, and everybody's done their picture, but... Uh, with a cell phone now. You don't have an SLR, you have your cell phone. Um, and that's what uh, you take some photographs with. And they said, we saw this, like, uh, this amazing leopard. And I thought, oh, that's lovely. I'd, I'd love to see this. And so got past the cell phone and uh, to have a look at the, the photo. And, and, and when they passed the cell phone to me, all I could see over there that was uh, this tree. And I said, well, I was about to say I, I wanted to see the leopard, not the tree. And they said, no, John, have a second look. And so I had a second look, and there was this beautiful leopard that had climbed into the tree and was disguised by the foliage of the tree. Has that ever happened to you? You've kind of, you've looked at something, and you've not really seen what's there, and you've taken a second look. And then all of a sudden, you've noticed a whole lot of things that weren't there the first time that you had a look. And... Um, it's been an interesting thing for me to notice that uh, there have been many times when I've taken a second look and I've noticed things that I haven't seen the first time around. Now, when we come to uh, Second Kings and chapter 6 in the Old Testament, we've got a scenario playing itself out that is quite uh, unusual. Some of you have heard the story. Some of you know the story. Uh, but it's the scenario uh, where Elisha, who is a prophet in Israel, um, and his servant Dothan, they are holed up, uh, rather his servant, are holed up in the city of Dothan. And what has been happening is that um, there is war between the Arameans and the Israelites. Um, and, uh, and, and because of the war that was taking place, what would happen is the Arameans would, would try and ambush the Israelites in different places. But uh, God was showing Elisha, as all of this was happening, God was showing Elisha where this was going to take place, what was going to happen, the time it was going to happen. And all he did is he passed the word on to the king of Israel, uh, don't go near that place because you're going to get attacked over there and the Arameans are going to sort you out. And so, of course, being clever, he avoided those spots, uh, and, and, and that caused huge frustration for uh, the king of Aram because uh, he, he felt that there was a traitor amongst them. And so he said, come on, guys, own up. Who's, who's been passing on secret information to the Israelites? Um, and uh, the, one of his officers comes to him and said, it's actually none of us. What's happening is this prophet Elisha, uh, every time you set up something and you're planning to do this, uh, God shows him what's going to happen. He passes on the word, and the Israelites are able to avoid being attacked by you. 
And so uh, he's quite frustrated about this, and he says, well, there's only one thing to do. We've got to deal with this guy by the name of Elisha. We can't have this, our plans going wrong all the time because uh, he's revealing uh, what's happening behind the scenes. And so here's the account uh, in 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, the king of Aaron, by the way, that would be modern-day Syria, if you wanted to kind of get an idea of where that was or where that is today. The king of Aaron was at war with Israel. And after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. And so the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was in his God in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. And he summoned his officers and demanded of them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. And then the truth comes out, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. I mean, that's uh, maybe not always the greatest thing to hear. And uh, he, he was obviously trying to make him aware of, of the way in which, which God was revealing things to Elisha. Go and find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And then the report came back, he's, he's in Dothan. And then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and they surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what are we going to do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the, Ill, the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And what's so interesting to me about this account that many of us have heard or read in the past is the two different responses to exactly the same thing that's happening. What, uh, what uh, you remember from the, the story, uh, Elisha and his servant are in the city of Dothan. It's right out in the, in the desert. Uh, he goes to sleep one night, probably watching the sunset over the desert, wakes up the next morning. Here's this army, uh, quite a significant force that is surrounding the city of Dothan, and he panics. And he rushes off to Elisha and he said, we're in trouble. And we're in big trouble. There's an army. And I mean, if, for, if you want to put it into more contemporary terms, if you had chariots, it's like putting armor, bringing armor around the city, tanks and stuff like that. Uh, that's, that's really what he saw when he woke up. So here's the one man who is full of fear because of what he sees. And then there's Elisha who responds in faith because of what he knows. Now as we move into this new year, I don't know if you would remember, but this is the first Sunday of 2018. I believe it's important that you and I have a faith response to what is happening around us and what comes our way. And a faith response often happens when we take that second look that I was talking about. You see, you can respond to things around you purely on the basis of what you see. 
You can say, I can read the news, I can hear what's happening, I can see what, what is going on all around, or you can have a response based on the fact that we know that God is with us all the time in every situation wherever we are. That's why Elisha prays the prayer, open his eyes that he can see. And sometimes in the realm of the unseen, things are very different to what we can see with our eyes. And so there are going to be those times when we need to take a second look because God is with us as he was with Elisha and his servant in the city of Dothan as well. You see, the moment we choose, and I want to use that word intentionally, we choose to focus on the fact that God is with us, our outlook changes. Our response changes. Our approach changes because we're saying we're not simply looking at this in the natural, but we're trying to understand that there is a bigger picture behind what is happening. And you will notice over here that when Elisha prays for his servant and for his servant's eyes to be opened, he's not asking God to show him something new. He's asking God to show him what's already there. And I've realized for us as Christians, it's often we do not need something new. We need to know what's already there. We need to know God's provision that's already there for us. We need to be alert to what God is already doing in our situation. Now, one of the most helpful things that I've found and discovered in my Christian journey is this, that there are two realms that exist at the same time. There is the realm of the natural. It's the world in which we live. It's the things that we see. It's the things we hear, the things we read about. You can read about them every single day. Open your WhatsApp into News24 and you, you can read about what's happening. And I think it's important that we do know what's going on around about us. But then there is an unseen realm, the realm of the Spirit. And it's because there's that unseen realm that Elisha comes and he begins to pray, Lord, will you open his eyes so that he can see? And Elisha realized this, in what's happening around us in the city of Dothan, God needs to be factored into the situation as well. God needs to be factored in. And the only way that God can be factored in is for my servant, his eyes to be opened so that he can see through the eyes of faith. And I want to say to you, in 2018, God needs to be factored in. We need a factor God into what is happening around us. Whether it's a family issue or whether it's a national issue in our country, God needs to be factored in. But may I say we need to factor God in in the right way. I sometimes believe we have blamed God for what He had nothing to do with in the first place. And, and we need to be so careful when we factor God into things. Because the, the Bible speaks to us about the way we should factor God in. We should factor God in as a father who gives good gifts to his children. You remember that Jesus reminds us of that uh, in Matthew's gospel when he, was, when he was speaking about prayer. He said, remember, you, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more do your father who's not evil, who is good, who's a good father, there's a song about that, who's able to give good gifts to them that ask him. How do you come to your father? How do I come to my father? Is it a, to a father who gives good gifts in those circumstances? As the one who is at work for the good of them who love him. Now, now I need to be careful here. 
what you think is good and what God thinks is good may be two different things. And I want to say this to you. It's always better to choose God's good than your good. Because He knows all things. He's all wise. He never makes a mistake. And so when we come to God, there's that, that wonderful scripture that reminds us, Romans 8.28, God is at work in all things for the, for the, for the good of them who love it. In other words, what's on God's heart for you? Good things. A Father who gives good gifts to us. And we need to remember that. And sometimes when it doesn't make sense, remember you have a Father in heaven who gives good gifts. Who's at work in those things? As one, we come to Him as one whose grace is sufficient for us. And there are times things don't work out the way we anticipated. Paul discovered that. But he also discovered at the same time that wonderful word of revelation. My grace is sufficient. My power is being made perfect in your weakness. And Paul says, I've got something now that will help me navigate this. And some of us need to know grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in weakness. He's the one who promised to never forsake us. May I say this to you this morning? There will be times during this year you will feel as though God's a million miles away. May I say to you, the Bible says He will never leave you, nor forsake you. There was a, there was a season in my life, and I, and I need to say this to you this morning, where I had a bit of a, I guess the word would be a distorted picture of God. And I was always feeling guilty about things and feeling uncertain about things and full of doubt about things. So, so when I'd go to God, there was this kind of picture because I had a, a, a less than biblical picture of God. I always doubted God. I wondered whether God was involved. I wondered whether God cared. And I had to get my picture of God sorted out before my heart got sorted out. And sometimes that's true for us as well. Our picture of God has got somewhat broken, maybe distorted, and there needs to be a renewing of our perspective of the God of the Bible. When we take a second look, it will remind us that there is a spiritual battle going on all around us right now. And I want to say that this morning because we are, South Africa has not declared war on anybody and nor has we has any country declared war on us. You, you're not going to walk down the streets and see the military out there because we're at war. But I want to say we're at war. We're at war. But it's a spiritual battle, right? In other words, when you know the battle is a physical battle, there is an approach you have to that. But when you know it's a spiritual battle, there is a different approach because it's a different kind of battle. So that's why when Paul writes, who's come from the city of Ephesus, if you want to do something really helpful, go to the book of Acts and go and read the account when Paul is in Ephesus and what happens, and then go straight to Ephesians chapter 6 and look at how he describes what's happening in the city. And the things that could have been described simply as a natural course of events that was taking place, he says, this is what a spiritual battle looks like when it actually happens. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Why do I need to know that? Why do you need to know that? Because very often, where do we look? At the natural, at the physical, at what's happening around us. Be reminded, friends, we have an enemy and there is a spiritual battle happening this morning. When Peter was writing to uh, the early church and some, some of the believers, 
and because there was persecution taking place, he says this, be self-controlled and alert for your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy or devour. And he's saying persecution is the work of the enemy. Try to put out the flame. Let's take that up to a new level in Daniel. Chapter 10. Daniel's been praying for his nation. He's living in Babylon as a slave. He's been enslaved because his people have been conquered by the Babylonians. And he's praying for them. He's a man of God. He comes and he prays for his nation. And as he is praying for his nation, and he's been spending some time in fasting and prayer. Not only is he praying for his nation, but he's been praying for the massive shift of power that was taking place in the Middle East at that stage. One nation was conquering another, and it looked like there was chaos all over the show. And as he's praying, uh, he has sent a message from heaven. Verse 13, it says, The prince of the Persian kingdom, and he's not talking about a physical person, He's talking about a spiritual being that the Bible calls the prince of the Persian kingdom, resisted me 21 days. And then Michael, one of our chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. He's saying that what I'm seeing around me, there is a spiritual dynamic behind that, that there is a battle that's taking place. Friends, there is a battle taking place for South Africa at the moment. battle plays itself out in what's happening. It's playing itself out in the political arena. It's playing itself out on the streets of our city. It's playing itself out in our families. It's playing itself out in what people are doing. There is a war on the go here. And it's one that I want to say when we recognize there is a spiritual battle, there are two things that you and I need to get hold of. Number one, what has Jesus done? Number two, that God's equipped you for the battle. The Colossians chapter 2 clearly informs us what Jesus has done. Let's read it. He has disarmed the powers and the authorities. Paul said, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and authorities. What has Jesus done on the cross? He has disarmed the powers and authorities. In fact, he made a public spectacle of them when he died upon the cross. May I say to you, there is a battle, but the enemy's taken a big hit at the cross. And I love that. That's the one thing. But the other thing to remember is that we are equipped for the battle already. We don't need to be equipped. We are equipped. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God so that what? You can stand. You can stand. When we, and I'm not going to go into the armor this morning. We don't have time. But, but friends, we are equipped for the battle. God has given us what we need for that battle. 1 John 4. Greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. And I say to you this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, he is in you. In you. What does James chapter 4 say? Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Friends, we resist in prayer. 
we, we stand our ground and we don't give up. Uh, there's a sense that God is saying to me for us for this year. We need to learn to stand our ground. Just to digress for a second. One of the things that I've personally been challenged as I, I've been reading through the New Testament is how well prepared the church was for persecution. And I've realized how badly we're prepared for persecution. Friends, we, we need to learn to stand because we stand in victory. And when we take a second look, it is to reflect on the fact that you and you and I, we have access to God. That's an incredible privilege. You know that you can go to God, and I can go to God. You, you don't even need to go to a priest. You do not need to come to the pastor. You can go directly to God. Do you know that? Do you know this morning that you have the ear of God and I have the ear of God? Do you know that we can talk to God directly? Do you know that God speaks back to us, that we can listen to God? Do you know that we have a relationship with God? That's why the Bible describes Christianity as a relationship. It speaks about us being His children. It speaks about us being His treasured possession. As Ryan was sharing with us last Sunday, that we can be confident in God. We are never alone. God watches over us. I don't need to fear, and you don't need to fear what others fear. And nothing can take us out of His hand. Isn't it nice to know that we can have that confidence? Here's a scripture I want to give you for this year. It's in Colossians chapter 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I would like to ask you to do this during this year. In being devoted to prayer, that you and I will remember we are people of influence before the throne. There are many things you will not change in this world. But trust me, when you get on your knees before the Father in heaven, it's unbelievable what can change. I hope that much of what I've said this morning is not new to you. But what I wanted to leave you with today is the issue of taking a second look. So when you see something and it concerns you and it gets all over you and it starts to make you feel a little bit concerned, I want you to do this. Pause and look again. Pause and say, Lord, will you open my eyes? Pause and say, Lord, will you show me what's really going on in this situation. You see, there are two things that I'd like to leave you with this morning. The first is this. The kingdom of God is coming. Heaven is coming. Jesus is coming one day. Are you all okay with that? I hope you're excited about the fact that he's coming again. But may I say he's already come as well. And while the kingdom of God is coming, it has already come.
There is a sense in which God's kingdom has come already, and yet it's still to come in its fullness. And why I want to mention that this morning, because his kingdom has come and because his kingdom is advancing, we are seeing what we are seeing all around us. Do you realize the reason we are seeing all of the miracles and all of the things that are happening around us is because the kingdom's advancing. We are not part of a, uh, we are not part of an evil uh, uh, kingdom here. We We are part of a kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is advancing all over the world. For you, those of you who were here last Sunday, there was a young lady who stood on this stage from a country that is very closed to the gospel and to Christianity. And she, she, was, she had met up with some Christians who were, were speaking to them about her about her Christian faith because she belonged to another faith. And she, she, and she said, I belong to another faith, but I wasn't finding answers. And somebody started to ask me to start reading the Bible. And I read the Bible, but it was confusing. And I didn't understand. And I said, and she said, I prayed this prayer. God, if you are there, will you show me? Will you reveal yourself to me? Help me to understand. And, and she said, and God came to me in a dream one night and revealed things to me. And my eyes started to open. And today she is a missionary from that country working in South Africa. You see, the kingdom's advancing. <laughs> you know the reason we pray for the sick is because the kingdom's advancing. You know the reason we trust God for miracles is because the kingdom's advancing. Because we, we see that the kingdom is being demonstrated all around us. But the second thing, when we take a second look, we do so because we are people of faith here. We are people who trust God. We are people who rely on God. And people of faith always factor God into what's happening in their lives. That's what people of faith do. We don't always understand everything, but we know God is with us. And we can factor God into that. And we can say, Lord, will you reveal to us? And we can say, Lord, will you be at work in this situation? Probably one of the most practical Christian writers in the Bible is a man by the name of James, who is the brother of Jesus. You want to read about practical Christianity, read James. This is what he says. Is anyone among you in trouble? I won't ask you to put your hand up, but is there anybody in trouble this morning? You know what you need to do? You need to pray. Because that's what people in trouble do. They say, we, we come to God, we turn to God, we're factoring God into this. And so we say, Lord, we will pray. Is any one of you happy? What should you do? Sing songs of praise. I hope there's some happy people here this morning. This is practical Christianity, by the way. It's like, are you happy? Has God been at work? Has God answered? Then praise Him for it. Is anybody sick? Well, here's the advice. Let them call on the elders of the church, and the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. And if you sinned, you'll be forgiven. There is a sense in that space of ministry. In a very interesting scripture, therefore confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. 
I want to pray to pray for 2018. Here it is. Lord, open my eyes. Let me see. Because I know there's another realm. And I know God's at work. And I know I'm not on my own. And maybe like the prophet Elisha, you will be able to say, more are those who are with us than those who are against us. Amen. I want to just close in prayer if I can ask you to close your eyes just for a moment. Question I'd love to ask you as we close off is where do you need to step out in, in faith? What is the area of faith that you need to step into? And I'm not doing, saying doing something blind and